Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Kroger, fresh groceries are our thing. So we check your delivery order for freshness at every step from farm to store and pick and pack every veggie in your free pickup order with care because we treat your food the way we'd want ours to be treated. We're fresh every day, so shop anyway. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Now's the time to stock up and save during the Kroger Big Pack Sale. You'll get big deals on big packs of hundreds of items throughout the store. Kroger, fresh for everyone. So we've been in a series on faith, and uh, I kind of just thought, you know, I'm going to give you some faith hacks. How's that? Um, you know, the, we talk about these different hacks, right? How to, how to, you know, hack diet hacks or whatever. But I want to give you some faith hacks today. And this is what this series is all about, how to accelerate your faith level to that place where you will see the power of God manifested in your life and on the earth. Because we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? It's impossible to please God without faith. So I want to have you take your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 11 this morning. We're going to read uh, verses 12 through 14, and then verses 20 through 25. Mark chapter 11, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. The context is this is what is happening on what the day of the triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday. Jesus is going into Jerusalem. He knows that he's, he's going to be delivered over to the cross. He'll be crucified. He comes into the city. And after the triumphal entry, what ends up happening is Jesus departs and he comes out from Bethany, verse 12, and he's hungry. And from a distance, he sees a fig tree it has leaves, but he goes to see if perhaps he would find something on it. And when he came to it, the Bible says he finds nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Then please go down to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe. Another way to say that would be have faith. Have faith that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow. You know, as I mentioned, the historical backdrop here, it's, it's just a few days before the crucifixion. Jesus is headed toward Jerusalem. He set his face like flint. He knows he's going to go to the cross. He's, he's intent. He's not going to back down. He's not shrinking away. He knows his calling. He knows his purpose. And so he, he gives himself to that. And as Jesus is traveling, 
he sees this fig tree from a distance, and he, he, he's able to notice that it has leaves on it. But when he approaches it and gets up close, he, real, he sees that there's no fruit. The Bible says that there were leaves, there's no fruit, but it was not yet the season. So I've read various commentaries and, you know, been to Israel and spoken with people over there about what it is. And one of the things that we know about fig trees is that a fig tree actually produces leaves before fruit. And there's often a display of fruit that is kind of an early um, manifestation that happens before the full display of fruit takes later on. So, there's this kind of first fruit manifestation or this, this uh, bearing of fruit, but it's not yet the season for the full harvest of fruit. So, Jesus sees leaves. And anytime you would see leaves on a fig tree, you should expect that literally there, there would be fruit. Fruit should be there because actually this fruit actually comes, I'm sorry, before the leaves. So, but, so you see the fruit, you, you see the leaves, there must be fruit. That's a natural deduction that would be made. But when Jesus goes closely to that tree, he realizes that there's no fruit. So what does he do? He curses it. He says, in the earshot of his disciples, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Wow. Now, think about this. Why did Jesus do this? I mean, it's, you know, you read the commentaries and some of the stuff, it's absolutely crazy. Like, you know, people say, well, it obviously didn't belong to a farmer because Jesus wouldn't curse someone else's property. Like, who cares, really? I mean, who really cares? Jesus is God. He can do whatever he wants. And if a farmer gets upset, then he's going to have to deal with it because Jesus is doing the will of his Father. But what we understand about all of this is that Jesus was doing something that was more than just a natural event. He was doing something that had a symbolic representation he had been with Israel for three years. He'd been ministering to the Jews, and for the most part, they had rejected him. They had not received the gospel. And at one time in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 through 9, Jesus told a parable about a fig tree that would not bear fruit. He said, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, sir, leave it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. Jesus is speaking of Israel's uh, inability, their ineptness to bear fruit. God expected them to bear fruit. Jesus had been with them for three years, but by and large, they had not borne fruit. They promised much, just like the fig tree that had the leaves. Promised much, but delivered little. There was no substance to their faith. There was no reality to their profession. They had a form of godliness, but they had no power. They had no fruit. There was no authenticity to the life that they were living. They were just religious people, in other words. So the next day, after this tree had been cursed by Jesus, the disciples in Christ are walking by. They pass by it, and 
And they see this tree, and the disciples are utterly astounded, for it had entirely dried up by its roots. And Peter cries out, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus' response in verses 22 through 25, he says, Have faith in God. For shortly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And then he speaks about the fact that, that we need to forgive others. We, we can't hold unforgiveness toward anyone or God won't forgive us. When you look at Jesus' response, it seems kind of out of character to what Peter was saying. Like, Jesus, wow, look at this amazing tree. And, and Jesus was, he didn't say, well, yeah, isn't that really cool? He, he didn't respond that way. He, he actually says, why are you impressed? What's the big deal? Like, you know, it, this is normal Christianity. This is normal. I curse the tree, and of course it's going to die. I mean, what else would you expect? And that's what Jesus is saying to them. And he says, and if you would have faith in my Father... And you can do the same thing. You can speak forth my word. You can declare the will of my Father. And you can even tell the mountain that is in front of you and obstructing you to be cast into the sea. And if you don't doubt, but you really have faith and believe in your heart, whatever you say will come to pass. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, well, there's been so much te teaching on this passage of Scripture, you know, and, and, and I think for, for the most part it's been good, but I do realize that there's something deeper than what typically we've heard taught from this passage of Scripture. You know, sometimes we call it the blab it, grab it, the name it, claim it, whatever, but the reality is there's something deeper than that. But let me also say that the truth is that there is a requirement that Jesus says that we must believe and we must speak forth the Word of God. So don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater just because, you know, somebody said, well, I'm believing for this and I'm believing for that and it's just all about them, you know, amassing personal wealth or, or you know, it has nothing to do with the kingdom but just to do with an affluent lifestyle just because people have t twisted things and taken it out of context and, and used it in selfish way, ways. Don't, don't throw out the truth, you know. Eat the chicken but spit out the bones, Right? This is, this is the reality of what the gospel is all about. There's always those that are going to misconstrue and misapply what Jesus taught. But Jesus says there's power. There's power. If you believe, if you don't doubt, if you really believe, and then you speak it out, there's power. It'll happen. It'll come to pass. Nothing shall be impossible for you. Jesus teaches that one of the keys to great faith, one of the faith hacks, is that we have to believe the Word of God. The Word of the Lord must be captured by our spirit. And when we capture it by our spirit, and then we, we believe it, we, we embrace it in faith, and then what we do is we begin to live it out. 
We begin to speak it. We begin to, to meditate on it. We begin to believe it. We begin to live it out. You see, faith without works is dead. It's just what James said, right? He said, look, you say you believe in one God, big whoop. The demons believe and tremble. So that means nothing. Just because you believe in God, that means nothing. You must believe his word and you must obey his word. He said that if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you deceive yourselves and the truth is not in you. So you can come to church every Sunday and hear someone preach the Word of God, but if you just walk away and you don't do anything with it, if you don't apply it to your life, if you don't believe it in your heart, and if you don't live it out, he said, you're like a man who sees himself in a mirror, but then he walks away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. Faith without works is dead. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. In our first session, we talked about the reality that if you want to have great faith, you're going to have to be tested. You're going to have to go through some trials. In the second session, we realized that faith works by love. Faith is energized by love. When you know how loving God is, you have faith in Him, you trust in Him. And when you see him, he is a good father. You realize that he does good things and he gives good gifts to his children. And then that will cause you to step out in faith. That will cause you to believe that, that God wants to do good things. God does want to bless people. God does want to save people. He does want to help people. He wants to deliver people because he's good. Well, today's faith hack has to do with the power of the prophetic word, the power the power and the process of possessing the prophetic promises of God. This message is brought to you by the letter P. <laughs> Sorry. But the reality is God says, I've got promises. It's my will that you experience my promises. I want you to appropriate everything that I've said is truth in my word. So a word must be captured by our spirit. See, Jesus, Jesus modus operandi when he was on the earth was he just said that he literally replicated on the earth what he saw his father doing in heaven. John 5, 19, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. That's how Jesus operated when he was on the earth. Jesus said, I only say those things I hear my Father speaking. I only do those things I see my Father doing. So Jesus literally received revelation counsel. He understood what the will of God was, and he believed it, and he began to live it out when he was on the earth. Very simple. And because of his just just unmovable faith because of his implicit trust in the Father, he always saw the will of God done on the earth. Before we can believe, we must know. Right? How do we believe unless we know? 
In other words, we have to have faith in something or someone. Jesus specifically says, have faith in God. He didn't say, have faith in your faith. He didn't say, have faith in this or that. He said, have faith in God. Your faith must be in God. And if your faith is in God, of course, your faith is going to be in His Word as well. So, have faith in my Father. And if you want to know the will of my Father, you're going to have to know what He's saying. You're going to have to receive revelation from Him. See, the Bible says it's the truth that sets us free. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But what is the truth? In John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying for the disciples, and he says this, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So if you want to know the truth, you're going to have to know the word. And there are many Christians today that don't know the truth because they don't know what the Word of God says. And we have to come to that place where we begin to press into to God and we begin to search the Scriptures and we begin to understand what the will of God is. And the Word of God reveals to us the mind of God, His perfect counsel, His will. So when you're going through a situation, when you're facing a trial or a difficulty, you have a decision to make. The question that you should ask is, what does God say about this in His Word? The Bible warns us against human rationale and reasoning in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding but acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He'll direct your paths. If you acknowledge Him, if you seek Him in all of your ways, God, I've got a choice to make here. God, I've got a decision to make. I don't know what to do. What is your perfect will? God, speak to me. What does your Word say about this? And God has promised that He will give us revelation and He will lead us into the truth. There's definite clear counsel in the Bible. You know, what, what does God say? For every problem, there's a promise. For every problem, there's a promise. It's amazing. It doesn't matter. Well, I'm this, I'm that. Okay. Yeah, so God addresses everything. I'm going through this. I'm experiencing that. My kids are doing this. My finances. It doesn't matter. Whatever you're going through, God has a promise in the Word that is greater than the problem you are facing. But it's up to us to seek out that knowledge. It's up to us to come to the place where we say, God, what does it say? We need to be able to look every problem we face in the face and say, it is written. Thus says God's Word. This is what Jesus says. This is what my Father declares in His Word. As important as it is to know the, the Scriptures, very important, there are times when we need specific counsel from the Lord you know, where should I live? Should I move to Australia? 
Should I move to America? You know, uh, whom should I marry? What, what does God want me to do with my life? What, what am I supposed to do? What's my calling, right? You can look at the scripture and you, you can understand certain things on a general level, like whom am I mar- I'm supposed to marry. Well, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, so you marry another believer, right? So the Bible's very clear on these things. Right? That yet, when it's specifically like God, you know, this, this situation, this, this is before me, what's your will? What do you want me to do? I was ministering in Toronto, Canada a few years ago, actually in Ottawa, Canada. And I was at this church, and I, I, it was a Sunday morning. It was actually Easter Sunday. And I look out, and a lot of people worshiping God. The presence of the Lord is amazing. And I see this family, husband, the wife, and they have two children. The daughter's probably 18 or so. And then they have a younger son, maybe 14, 15. And as I see this family, immediately the Holy Spirit just kind of, just like, look, he, brought, he draws my attention to them. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he's, I, he, I received this download in my spirit. She's called to work in the area of medical science. There's things she's going to do that are going to be significant in terms of breakthroughs. They're going to be revolutionary things. She's called to work in medical science. So I just said, all right, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with this? And after worship, I got up, and I was about to preach, and I told the pastor, I said, I have a word for this family. Is it all right if I go and I speak with them? So I actually, rather than saying it publicly, uh, they, they were receiving the offering that I ended up going over to them privately and I said, I don't know what this is about, but your daughter is called to work in the area of medical science. As soon as I said that, the mother and the father looked at me and they were just like flabbergasted. They, they started to cry and they started to weep. And they began to tell me that just a few days before this, their daughter, who was scheduled to run an entrance examination for a particular university, uh, decided that she wasn't called to study in that area. She began to feel that she was called to go into the area of medical science. And all of her counselors told her, you'll never do it. You're not really smart enough, you didn't have, your, your grades weren't, weren't high enough, just concentrate on something else. But she felt, as she prayed, that God was telling her, no, that's not my will, medical science. The parents were blown away because she had just shared that with them. Ended up, we prayed, and we declared that God's will would be done. After that, she went and she wrote the entrance examination and she actually passed and was accepted to study in the area of medical science. You see, guys, we have to know what God's will is for our lives. You, you can think, well, what's the difference if she studied, I don't know, business management or medical science? The difference is what has God destined her to do? The difference is massive. 
We don't know. God has specific assignments and callings and intentions for our lives. And it's incumbent upon us that we seek out God for the knowledge of what it is that He wants us to do. I just, well, you know what, my father did this, and, or I've got this opportunity, or there's this open door. That's not good enough. We have to know what the will of the Lord is. We have to seek Him for understanding, for revelation, until He speaks to us and specifically shows us the direction that we are to go. And when we seek Him, we will find Him because He's promised not only is His Word truth, but the Bible also tells us the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, will guide us into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will tell you what He's heard, and He will even tell you about the future, Jesus said. Wow. He'll show you exactly what the Father wants done. It's our responsibility to get alone with God, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the Father's perspective and His will for our present circumstances. And we do this, we seek Him until we've heard from Him. Well, I haven't heard from God, so I'm just going to go ahead and do this. No, that's not the way He works. You keep seeking, you keep waiting until you hear from Him. There's an amazing story in Daniel 10. Daniel was seeking God for revelation and understanding of his times, his people. What is your will for Israel? And the Bible says that he went into a season of fasting and praying, and it extended for 21 days. And after 21 days, Gabriel the angel came and visited him and spoke to him and said, Daniel, from the very moment you purposed in your heart, from the very time you began to entreat the Lord and seek Him for revelation and understanding, God heard you. But there was opposition in the spirit realm. The prince of Persia, which is a spiritual entity, a principality and power, was blocking the answer. But Daniel, rather than saying, well, God's not answering me, uh, you know, and we hear all this stuff today, well, God has gives you all these different choices, and it's up to you to just choose whatever you want to, and, and God's good with it. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's a way that seems right to a man, but even the end can be death. We've got to know what His will is. We've got to know what his promises are for our lives. What do you want me to do? And so Daniel kept praying, kept believing, kept seeking, continued to pray and fast. And after 21 days, the angel comes to him and says, look, this is what was happening in the spirit realm. God dispatched his fighting angels, his archangels, Michael, and they, he came and he literally destroyed the powers of the enemy who was trying to hinder what hinder you from receiving your answer, but because you continued to, to contend in faith and in prayer with fasting, Daniel, you have received your reward. Here is what God says, and he gave him this amazing revelation and plan, not only for his own life, but for Israel as a nation. 
because there was a man who was willing. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost. There was a man who was willing to keep on praying and seeking God. He wouldn't give up. He wouldn't stop. He would not be dissuaded. Get alone with him until you've heard from him. He can he'll give you a scripture. You might have a dream. You may receive a prophetic word, but he'll confirm to you clearly what his will is. You don't have to rush. God leads. He doesn't push. Right? God's not as, in a much, as big of a hurry as we are, believe it or not. Right? So we just trust. We wait. It's all good. The world's not going to fall apart, honestly. You know? And God knows the seasons that we're in on the time. Get alone. Keep praying. Keep seeking. Sometimes it requires an intense time of concerted prayer and fasting in order to receive the breakthrough. The second thing that we must do is once we've received a word from God, we've received his counsel. What is God saying? God's saying this. God spoke to me and he told me this is what I'm supposed to do. God told me, here's the answer. This is what my will is. And we look at our situation in the natural, and we, we, we can, if we're not careful, we can die. We can literally accept the prognosis of this world. And God says, I want you to accept my prognosis. I want you to receive from me what it is that I'm saying about this. I want you to understand and believe my report. So you believe the Word of God is the ultimate report of truth for your life. What does God say? What has He said? What did He speak to you? Well, He told me this. What does it look like in the natural? Not at all like that. Then guess what? God is true. I mean, come on, Abraham, right? You'll be the father of many nations. Sarah is going to have a child. Like, come on, really, God? I mean, come on. That is so impossible to believe in the natural. But God says, if you trust, if you believe, if you hold fast to my word, and you don't accept the report of man, of this world, if you just believe what I say, he said, then you begin to declare it. Then you begin to speak it over your circumstance. You even tell the devil what the Lord has said to you. Come on. Oh, man, I've got this big mountain, right? Yeah, God, this mountain is so big, like God didn't know. Like, he, he doesn't see the mountain, right? Oh, really? Oh, man, I, I, I didn't know about that mountain. Who, who told you? Oh, 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 oh okay, Gabriel, uh, uh, God, there's this huge mountain in front of, oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I, I must have been sleeping. I didn't see that. That's, you know, the truth is, guys, God knows and he sees everything. And, and, and I know it's cliche, but we, it's true. Instead of telling God how big our mountains are, we need to tell our mountains how big our God is. It's a fact. Of, and we begin to speak. Lynn and I were ministering in Florida in America. Went to a church. Wonderful people from the Caribbean islands. Jamaica. And we're preaching away and ministering. And the pastor's wife, she comes forward and she says, will you please pray for me? 
We said, yeah, sure. What, what's, what's wrong? What do you want us to pray with you about? Oh, I have cancer, stage four cancer. I'm dying. And we said, what? And she said, yeah, my two sisters have died of cancer. And so, God, okay. And, and she said, and my, my husband has already purchased the, the burial plot. The husband, who's a pastor, you, your sister's died, you're going to die. You know, the burial plot's on sale right now. Let's just buy it. Great faith, right? And she tells us this. And we just began to pray, just began to pray in the Spirit. You know, we began to pray in the Spirit. What is it? And the Holy Spirit, no kidding, reveals, gives me the Scripture, Psalm 118, verse 17, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Now, we can go to that. You know, that's our, our default card for, for these kind of situations. We can go to that. I recognize that. But this was a rhema word. This was something the Holy Spirit released to me and said, you speak this over her life. We spoke it over her life, and then we just prayed, laid hands on her, and we commanded the cancer to leave her body. She had not eaten food in eight or nine days. She was so thin, so sickly. And the next day, she rang us, and she said, hey, Pastor, um, would you like to go and have lunch today? And we said, yeah, sure. So we went to a, a restaurant, and, and she ordered the food, and we were just looking, and, and she ordered food for herself. And we said, wow, you're eating. She said, yeah, my appetite has come back. So the next day, she, we went out again to have lunch, and her appetite had come back. So the next day, she's eating. We're there for multiple days. And then she goes to the doctor. She said, man, I feel good. I feel strong. I feel healthy. I, I'm eating. I'm gaining weight, maybe too much weight. And she actually says to, you know, she goes to the doctor, and they run all the tests, the scans, everything, and there's no cancer in her body. In fact, she had received two treatments, of, uh, and then she said, you know what? I feel so good, I'm not going to take chemotherapy. And she made her own decision. She wasn't going to pursue chemotherapy. She had only received two treatments, I believe. And then she went and had the test done, you know, about a, a month later or something, and there was no cancer in her body. Six months later, they went and tested her again. Nothing in her body. It was in her bones. And there was nothing after that. It had been in her bones. She was completely healed. And it was just releasing the word of the Lord and saying, do you believe the word of the Lord? And she said, I believe the word of the Lord. Now, I know people say, well, I know people that have believed the word of the Lord and it didn't go that way. Well, I don't always understand. We don't know the answer. We don't always understand. And neither is our place to judge people. But the reality is the Bible still teaches that it is our call. It is our responsibility to believe the Word and to begin to speak the Word. See, destiny is fulfilled through discerning, decreeing, and doing what Jesus discloses. 
Let me say that again. Your destiny will be fulfilled as you discern, decree, and do what Jesus has dis disclosed to you. Acts 13, verse 36, David did not die until after he had fulfilled God's will and purpose for his life during his generation. Some of us need to start speaking that out. I don't know what my destiny is. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. I don't know if I'm going to fulfill it. We have to start speaking that out. I'm not going to die until I fulfill all of God's will and purpose for my life in this generation. Come on. Yeah. That means you start speaking that, you start believing that, and God begins to give you revelation and understanding. There's a true story of a pastor in Nigeria. His name is Pastor Daniel Ekachukwo, something like that. Pastor Daniel and his wife had gotten in an argument. It was just before Christmas. And what had taken place is he wouldn't forgive his wife. He wouldn't, and she came to him, and she apologized, and he wouldn't talk to her. He wouldn't, he wouldn't receive her apology. He harbored unforgiveness in his heart. That day, he got in his car. He went out, went through some of the, the shops, and on his way back home, he had to descend down a hill. And as he was going down the hill, the brakes in his car failed. He tried to stop the vehicle. He couldn't, and he slammed into a concrete barrier, and the steering wheel penetrated his chest. He was rushed to the local hospital. They took him there. At first they thought he was dead, but he was okay. And then he requested that he be taken to his own doctor in another city, which they advised, no, you can't do this. His wife insisted, no, that's what he wants, that's what he wants. And while they were transporting him to his local family doctor in another village, he died. When they arrived there, they, the doctors did all the tests, checked all his vital signs, he was dead. They wrote out the death certificate. They collected his body, put him in the morgue. They began the process of embalming him. They, they began to, you know, they, the way it works is they put in your fingers and your feet, first of all, the fluids, so that's the areas that go bad first. And they began that process. He's dead. What ends up happening is wife is praying. And as she's praying one day, the Lord gives her a scripture. The scripture is Hebrews 11.35, women received their dead raised to life again. She says, that's it. God's spoken to me. He's going to raise my husband back to life again. I'm going to take him to the crusade in the neighboring town where Reinhard Bonnke is preaching. I want you to watch this video. If we could put the lights down. The 30th of November 2001 was a date forever etched on Nenka Ekechukwu's heart and mind. In fact, she remembers it well. Uh, that very day, uh, it was terrible and horrible, and I was sorrowing 
Then the word of God appeared to me in Hebrew 11.35. Women receive their dead body back to life. So when I read that scripture, I said, uh, dead bodies back to life, uh, dead bodies, dead bodies. I began to meditate over the word of God. I said, dead bodies, my husband is one of the dead bodies back to life. I must take him to Bunker's crusade so that he will come back to life. And we took him from the mortuary. We dressed him up and uh, put him inside the gasket. Then we took off from Oweri. Then we continue coming down to Onesha. So when we arrived there with our um, siren, there was tension all over. Security that they should allow us to take him inside so that Bonke can pray for him. And I believe that he can come back to life. The security guards refused them entry into the premises, thinking they might have a bomb in the casket. The procession was redirected to a facility in the back of the church. Daniel was taken out of the casket and laid on a table. People started praying for him, praying for resurrection. As prayers was going on, then his heart began to pant. Life began to come in his heart. They continued praying, we are praying, we are praying. As all these things were going on, he began to breathe gradually, but his body was still stiff. I saw myself being held of a lot of people. Oh, I was naked, I was wearing only trousers. They pulled all my dress. I saw a crowd of people, more than 20,000 people. I looked my left, right, everywhere. People were shouting, crying everywhere. Some, some was praising God, some was crying. Some was, I was looking around, I couldn't understand what was happening. Because to me, I was falling down and I fell into pit. And to me, when I opened my eyes, I, was see, I saw all hands was grabbing me. They, they said to me that I jumped up. I saw this big cathedral. It's a very big cathedral. I looked by my right, my left, my front and my back. Everywhere was full of people. Some people were shouting, some were saying coffin, some say mortuary, some say three days. I couldn't understand what was happening because I, my experience there is not more than 15 minutes, so I don't know what they call about three days. To me, there was no night, there was no day. There was, it was only that moment I was into. <laughs> I now uh, said to my wife, yes, what is happening? She said I should keep quiet until when we get to the house. Brought me back to my house, this place with my wife. So when we get inside the bedroom, uh, that's been on 2nd of December, I asked my wife, what is happening? What, 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 what about coughing and two days and mortuary? What is happening? Then my wife now begin to look at my body where they injected chemical and she said, Dad, did you know you was in mortuary three days? 
and this the death certificate. You know, uh, while I left the ambulance, uh, they, they still went to the hospital. So the doctor now confirmed uh, that I, I, I have died. They now use their equipment check. According to you can see, uh, they, they check the heartbeat, everything, the 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 eye pupil, everything. According to the doctor, he, after checking everything, he now confirmed that I was totally dead. He now gave them certificate that I sh they should remove me. You can see it here. Say, uh, uh, remove for mortuary. Yeah, three days, dead, partially embalmed. Come on. And the year 2000, I believe it was. Think about this, guys, right? Why? The, wa the wife received a word from God. She said, I believe the word. I'm going to speak it. She spoke it out. She decreed it. Then she did something. Her faith, come on. taking her husband out of the mortuary in a casket, to this place. That was actual footage we just watched. That was, that was the real footage of what happened to that man. God can do anything. Nothing is impossible if we believe, if we trust. Nothing will be impossible. Can we stand together, please? Let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your power, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you said in your word that if we don't doubt but we believe in our heart and we speak forth those things that you have showed us from your word, you have revealed to us by your spirit and through your word, and we don't doubt, but we just continue to believe, continue to speak, continue to decree the truth of your word, we will experience breakthrough. We will experience the manifestation of your miraculous power. So we thank you, Father, for the manifestation of your miraculous power. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God that today does miracles. Father, we want to see the dead raised. We want to see the sick healed. We want to see revival. We want to see the most hardened person softened by the gospel and brought to salvation. Father, it's not about us. It's not about us. You will take care of us. You're faithful. We believe. But Lord, we want to step out of that place where we begin to see the power of your kingdom released here on the earth. We want to thank you for that, Lord. We want to give you all the glory, and we are careful, Father, to acknowledge your greatness. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to just tell you that Jesus wants to bring you into a relationship with his Father. He wants you to know him personally. He wants you to experience eternal life. If you're here today and you just say, oh, look, you know what? I need an answer from God. I need counsel from the Lord. If you're here and that's you today and there's things that you're just saying, God, should I go here? Should I do this? Come on. God's going to reveal to you certain things. God's going to reveal to you certain things. Thank Lord's going to make it plain. He's going to make it plain. Somebody, you're thinking about moving to Tasmania, and the Lord wants you to know 
there's like this thing, oh, where am I going to go? How am I going to do this? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I do it or not? And God wants you to understand this. He's saying that what he opens, he wants you to wait. Just wait, 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 wait. Because God is saying, as you wait, I'll make it plain to you. I'll make it plain to you. Don't rush ahead, but just wait. Take your time. Trust me and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it clear to you. I'm going to make it clear to you today. There are people you're wondering about, well, should I change jobs? Should I, should I go here? Should I do this? There's people even you're in situations where it just seems like your, your job, your place of employment, things are winding down. You just need to wait on the Father. You just need to wait on Him. He's going to show you what to do. He's going to make it so clear to you what His will is for your situation and your circumstance. And even as a church, I want to just say to us collectively that the Lord is saying that there have been times and even when the Lord has tried to just cause us to feel weary, battle fatigued, and the Lord wants you to know and all of us to know that we are on the verge of an amazing shift, guys. We are on the verge of an amazing shift. Just not to grow weary. We're not, we just keep pressing, keep believing, keep worshiping, keep praying, keep confessing the very truths that God has said. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We just declare what has God said. And as we declare what He has said, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. If you're here today and you just say, hey, you know what? I just would love to hear the voice of God. I just love to connect with the Father and understand what it is that He desires me to know about this situation in my life, His will, His plans, His purpose. I want to invite you just to come and stand at the front. We're going to just pray with you. Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details. Drive less, save more. Ride Coda with the Transit app. Download today for a 450 credit. There's a new way to pay at Coda.